We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, it's Bo Matthews, and welcome to the program. For the next couple of hours, we are going to spend some time together, and I've got a lot of great guests lined up for you. And I hope you can uh, stay tuned in. I'll, I'll kind of give you an idea of what the show this time is going to be about. But it's going to be the gamut. It's going to be all over the place. But if you are listening in your vehicle, thank you for doing that on KMOX. If you have not downloaded the Radio.com app, that is really the best way that I enjoy listening to KMOX because it's crystal clear digital sound, and it goes to your phone or your tablet. Uh, connect it with your vehicle. Uh, you can also connect it to your Alexa. So you can say, hey, Alexa, play KMOX, and we'll come on just like that. Um, and it's a free app. It's the radio.com app, so go to where you buy your apps, or get your apps, I should say, and download it now. And the cool thing is there's a rewind button. So if you hear something on my show or anybody else's show and you're like, did they really say that? Well, you can hit that rewind button and go back and listen to segments over and over and over. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can share this podcast. If you uh, hear something that you really think, oh, so-and-so really needs to hear what Bo just talked about, you can share that link to your friends, and, of course, you can share it on social media as well. So the Radio.com app is free. And another app that I use a lot that is free, it's called CoinFlip. Now, this one comes in handy because so many people don't carry cash or coins with them very much anymore. Everything's a debit card, swipe this, and all that. Well, the CoinFlip app is something that comes in handy when my wife and I are either going for a Sunday drive and we're literally, with no destination in mind, I'll say, okay, should we go left here or right here just to see what the countryside looks like if we're in Illinois or Missouri or wherever else, and we'll leave the decision up to the CoinFlip app, which is a free app that I've had on my phone for a long time, and it actually comes in pretty handy, and it really comes in handy when we're trying to decide where to go to eat. You want to go here or do you want to go there? What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? Well, we leave it to the coin flip app and away we go. So we're going to start the show with good news or bad news, but we're going to leave it up to the coin flip app to make the decision. The good news will be heads and the bad news will be tails. Again, you can download this app to your phone. It's very handy. It's like the magic eight ball. Oh, they have that for an app too. Anyway, good news is heads. Bad news is tails. Here we go. I'm flipping it. Normally it makes a sound, but it didn't this time. Heads, so we're starting with good news. A favorite summer food is fresh corn on the cob, right? Smothered in butter and salted. Well, Pringles is introducing sweet corn flavor. Now, these chips incorporate the flavors of sweet and salty fresh corn, cooked corn, maybe on the grill, whatever, however you love your uh, corn on the cob, and creamy butter as well. That, I don't know what kind of science they have to use to make up that flavor to get it on a chip. The last experience I had with a, a flavored chip that was other than regular or barbecue is the crab chip potato chips with Chesapeake Bay crab seasoning from Utz, U-T-Z, potato chip factory. And I got it. I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, I haven't had crab dip in a long time. You know, maybe maybe it'll be good. I got it, and it was just Oh, so salty. Now, your taste buds may be different than mine. I don't know. but uh, So that's the good news. Pringles coming out with sweet corn flavor on potato chips. So that's the good news. Are you ready for the bad news? Here's the bad news. 
you're not alone if you have packed on the pounds during the quarantine. A survey found of 2,000 people that the average American has gained five pounds while on this uh, lockdown that we have been in during this pandemic. And out of the 2,000 people polled, most have gained weight due to alcohol and bread. And I am such a breadaholic, and it doesn't matter if I'm at a restaurant on the hill. They've always got great bread, fresh Italian loaf bread, uh, or Texas Roadhouse, or Lambert's. When was the last time you were at Lambert's for the home of the throat rolls? Oh, love that stuff. Anyway, that's what I got to back away from, because before I started this program, I jumped on my scale, and I'm part of the group. I'm up three pounds in the last couple of months. So uh, back away from the bread. I'm trying to. I'm trying to hear my own advice here. All right, so what I have planned for the rest of the show in the next couple of hours is some great guests, including B.J. Lang. He's a stand-up comic. He's an actor. He's also part of Second City, and he has a unique way that he is working with the Air Force wounded warriors and those dealing with PTSD. It's actually a phenomenal story, and his mission in his heart is a beautiful one. So I hope you can stick around for that. Also, we're going to talk to somebody that's an expert on telephone etiquette for companies around the world. World, but she has now transferred her knowledge of that into what she likes to call avoid being a Zoom zombie. If you've been doing Zoom meetings, this conversation is definitely going to help you out. So we're going to hear from Nancy Friedman. Also, Dr. Dwayne Keller is my dentist for the last seven years. And I was in his dentist chair just last week. And we were talking, of course, about my grill. But then we start talking about COVID-19. And he's he's he understands the microbes. And he understands what uh, the, the mutation of COVID-19 is doing and will do. And aside from washing your hands and wearing face masks, he's got an idea to help you even be more safe when you go out in public and so we'll talk to him but coming up next if life has been heavy for you and you're looking for some inspiration man have we found the guy you need to hear from john o'leary maybe you've heard him before he's been on camera several times but uh, i just uh, received his book in awe last week and started reading i wish i would have finished it before we talked to him but hey we're, we're i'm through three chapters and i'm loving the book but it is an amazing story from a guy that started life off at nine years old with a huge challenge, and we'll explain all of that. But as you're listening to this piano music, this is John playing at the MGM. In chapter one of his book, he says, The roar of the crowd seemed to envelop me. I walked over to the grand piano and settled myself down at the bench, wiped the sweat from my forehead with my suit jacket sleeve, placed my hands over the piano keys, and took a deep breath. Noticing my heart racing, I couldn't help but wonder, how the heck did I get here? The amazing story is he was in a, a fire when he was nine years old and lost all of his fingers, but yet still plays the piano as beautiful as this. We're talking to John O'Leary next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It is The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and my next guest... I truly believe that God has aligned the planets to happen because there's a couple of things that are working here. John O'Leary is an internationally acclaimed speaker. He's a best-selling author of books, On Fire and In Awe, and uh, the host of a Live Inspired podcast. And if you want to find him, go to johnolearyinspires.com. But I have to tell you, about a week ago, John, I received your book from my friend Pete. 
we have a mutual friend in Pete. And uh, so you're the one, Bo. I was wondering. He said he's got a great friend in Cam Wex, and now I know who it is. And, and uh, he was bragging on you, and now you're bragging back on him. Uh, it, it was amazing because it came in the mail. Because, you know, uh, what's crazy about uh, Pete, I go back with him about 25, 25 years or better. And just about a month ago, I received a box of, of things to help get through this pandemic, right? Just, you know, here's a puzzle, here's some snacks, here's from, from the office. And I, and I thought, well, that's very sweet. Well, then I get a delivery of this book in awe, which I had no idea. I mean, I didn't understand the reference. He just, I, I saw that he had sent it. And then, uh, just yesterday, just yesterday, uh, my producer, Dave Klein says, Oh my gosh, you got to see this guy's article and you've got to talk to him if you can this week. And I was like, is this the same guy? It, it can't be the same guy. Cause I'm, and I will, I will tell you, John, I, I feel bad. I never took the Evelyn Wood speed reading class cause I just finished chapter three of in awe, <laughs> but, but by like page nine, I was already in tears and inspired by you. So welcome to KMOX. Uh, I guess again, you're a recurring character on this radio station. I understand. Yes. I'm a friend of KMOX been down at the station several dozen times and i'm lucky enough to walk around the newsroom and look left and look right and see friends everywhere i look that's amazing well i uh, i certainly uh will uh put you in in uh, that category hopefully by the end of this conversation um uh where where do we start where do we start i i, I guess my my thing is after reading your memorial day article which is on foxnews.com which was so powerful because i've always believed that there's there's knowledge in the elder. You should respect your elders. And the conversation you had with your grandfather was was huge and life changing for you. And at the beginning of this pandemic, John, I, I somebody else I respect highly made the made a he has a podcast as well, Andy Forsella. He said there's going to be two types of people at the end of this. There's going to be people that have fallen by the wayside, and there's going to be people that have come out stronger. And 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 so when I'm reading your book, I'm thinking, oh, this is nice. This book is going to get me through. It's going to change my my attitude. Tell me where you're at, and tell me how we can inspire people to to come out stronger because we we all don't know. Well, and I think that's key. That the way you set up the question is accurate. So those who tell you what's going to happen in June, in July, in August, uh, in three years, or in forty years, have no clue what they're talking about. So <laughs> right. it's important to begin with this. There's a little bit of compassion around. We just don't know, man. We just don't know. But the key is this. We've never known. The idea is this, that the greatest generation, and that's who I wrote about in the Fox article, the greatest generation reminds us that you don't need to know where you're going. You just need to know what you're going to get out of where you are right now. And that's enough. It's going to ensure not only enough taste to weather the days that we're currently dealing with, but also let, let us live into the possibility that our best days remain ahead of us. I, I certainly hope so. Uh, you know, I, I have to tell you that uh, just referencing uh, the book in on, I'm, I'm anxious to get on fire as well, because the way you, well, now that I'm talking to you, the way you write is the way you talk. I really appreciate that from an author. And, uh, you know, the the one thing that, that stood out to me was in, uh, it was in chapter two um, about uh, the question, why? We can all ask, why is why is this happening? And a lot of people are. And I think this is why conspiracy theories, you know, get traction, because yeah. people are just looking for answers. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And and there, you know, 2,700 years ago, someone wrote the words, there's nothing new under the sun. So it's important we recognize in 2020 as we look around, there's still nothing new under the sun. So conspiracy theories come and go. And we are all trying to understand why are we here? Why are these things taking place? Where did this thing begin? And so I understand some of the traction around it, although I uh, I wonder about uh, the validity of a lot of these ideas. 
in chapter three where you're talking about uh, uh, who are you talking to? Was it your nephew or uh, your son that said uh, the uh, the question is why? Yes. Who was that you were talking about? It was my son. So oh. you know the, the the construct of the book is what is it that children have that we have lost sight of, and how do we return to it? Because when you look at a child, a four or five year old kid. They do something really weird, Bo. They, they smile a lot. They have light and life in their eyes. They skip. They explore. They have a blast. They make friends easily. They're not very judgmental. They're open to new ideas and new possibilities, and they believe the best days remain in front of them. So that, that's what children do naturally. And then as we age, we begin to miss out and lose sight of all that we once had. And so I've seen this in my own kids. I've seen this in the work we do in school systems around the country and around the world. And so I wanted to write an entire book that invites us to rediscover our childlike awe. And you have definitely done that. It seems like you always put a question at, uh, towards the end of each chapter. Why are things as they are? And is there a better way? And I have to tell you, I used to work for somebody that said, if it ain't broke, fix it anyway. And I was like, what? What? What is that? That's awesome. It is. It is. In, in a way, it is because, uh, you know, just like conspiracy theorists, at, at least people are thinking, right? You know, and whether it's for, you know, dark or for good, uh, my wife is an artist, so she understands that you have to think outside the box and your book depicts that really specifically. And so when I look at some of these things that come through Facebook messenger on Facebook or Instagram about, you know, conspiracy theories, it's 5g, it's, you know, Bill Gates or whatever, at least people are trying to figure it out. They're not just, because if everybody's thinking the same, nobody's thinking, and the the story about your son asking about uh, building a bridge to Hawaii, if you could just reference that real quick. <laughs> right. right. So we were on this on, on this flight to Australia, actually, and, and uh, one of the states we flew over. Yeah, you know, you fly over Kansas and then Oklahoma and you make your way to California. And he was just in awe. He was so surprised that you could drive anywhere in our awesome country. He was just amazed by it all. And then he saw this little pin dot way out there in the middle of the ocean called Hawaii. And he wondered if we could drive there, and I explained, but no doubt at all, no, you cannot drive to Hawaii. And he said, well, one day you will. And I said, no, no day will you ever drive to Hawaii. And he just kept saying, Dad, who says? Who says? And I think that's a really important question. Kids, when we adults ask questions, we usually ask them to ultimately come to an answer that we expect. So if you ask a question from the left side of the aisle, you're going to ultimately come to an answer that leads you back to the left side of the aisle. And if you ask it from the right side of the aisle, believe it or not, you're going to come right on back to the right side of the aisle. (laughs) Kids ask it from raw, passionate curiosity. They have no freaking idea. So they ask these questions, and eventually we adults say, because that's the way it is. Now go to bed. Quit asking why. Right, right. And that's so sad because people just, they want to quiet their kids so often, you know? I do know. And so, yeah, and one of the ways, and Bo, as you've read a couple chapters, maybe up to three now or so, I, rather than trying to end with a period or end with an explanation point in the way I write and instruct, I, I usually try to end with question marks. Because, man, I'm a sojourner, too. I'm trying to figure this thing out. I'm trying to become a better version of myself every day, and I don't have all the answers. Right. But I think the smartest people in the room don't claim to have all the answers. They, they are wise enough to keep asking questions. So I, I, I encourage all, you and me and also all of our listeners to keep, keep probing, keep remaining curious, curious, and uh, explore. Kids are natural explorers. 
It, they really are. And, you know, when they say, you know, and I've been referred to as very childlike, I I just I like to do things that are different. The Sky Coaster at Fort Lauderdale or doing something not even extreme necessarily, but trying out different things or new things, even if it's food, it's something different than your beanie weenie casserole that you've had all your life. Uh, you know, try <laughs> try sushi once in a while. Who cares? You know. I think it's important. Now, John, if you don't mind, if I can keep you just for a little bit longer, I, I want to talk to you more about really what is going on in the current events and your opinion of that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I'm honored to be on. All right. John O'Leary, internationally acclaimed speaker, best-selling author of the books On Fire and the book I'm thir- three chapters in, In Awe. We've got more with John coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX, John O'Leary, an international acclaimed speaker, best-selling author of the books On Fire and In Awe, and host of the Live Inspired podcast. You can find him at johnolearyinspires.com. Is that your is that your main gig right now? Are you just, uh, well, you're not traveling and doing speaking engagements, but do you do something else besides uh, the motivational stuff? Right. I stumbled into this bow about 15 years ago when a group of Girl Scouts, three of them in St. Louis County, asked John O'Leary if he would share his story for their troop. And man, I've, I'm in the habit of saying yes. You and I have the friend Pete Sadlow, and he'll probably attest to this, but I, I love the word yes. And so I said yes, and my first ever motivational message was 15 years ago in St. Louis County, the three third grade Girl Scouts, and not even was I paid with a box of Samoas. <laughs> you got hosed. I got, I got it more than once. I got the hose then and, and repeatedly since. I've spoken those since a couple thousand times, 50 states, 20 countries, a couple million people live sharing the story of my life that I had never recognized as being worthy. You know, I, I never even knew my experiences of what I went through as a kid might someday matter to me or anybody else. And so I'm really grateful for the journey I've been on. Well, if you don't mind, um, if you would just reference uh, what happened to you when you were nine years old that, that sent you on this trajectory uh, all the way up till that uh, that first piano lesson, because that was the point that I, I really drew a tear. And uh, something happened when you were a kid. And we've all been, you yeah. know, we've all had things happen, but not as drastically as this. Well, the cool thing about difficult stories is when you know you're as well enough to share it, first in the mirror, but then ultimately with friends and yeah. family members and community, then others will look back at you and say, man, it's, it's different, but me too. Listen, here's my story. And so although not everybody else has a story exactly like John O'Leary, I know every one of your listeners has their own experience Absolutely. of being burned. Of being burned and so that's mine at age nine i was in a house fire burned on 100 percent of my body 87 percent was third degree it is a death sentence i should not be here and yet through god's grace and my family and this incredible staff at mercy and a whole lot of community leaders and people praying from around the country and around the world a little boy with no chance spends five months in hospital and goes through dozens of surgery and loses his fingers to amputation but he eventually comes home so the miracle takes but getting out isn't enough. Like just kind of enduring the day is not enough. And you referenced my mom and these piano classes. And, and that's, for me, an inflection point. So you were taking so piano I'm, lessons oh, before the accident, yes? Oh, yes, sir. But, I, you know, I hated piano before I got burned. Right. And I had all the fingers, man, and was able to crank on those piano keys. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I want to play baseball for the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't want to play piano. I'm a nine-year-old Missouri boy, man. So, um uh, now I'm in a wheelchair at a kitchen table, wrapped in gauze, head to toe, missing my fingers on a morphine drip. Mm. So I know I'm never going to play the piano again or do anything else in my life again, if I'm being real with you. And I think in the book I'm you even more... said there is a silver lining about this, that you'll never have to take piano again. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, so you said earlier, John, I like your book because the way you talk is the way you write. Exactly. And, you know, I try to be I try to be very real and conversational in, in speaking and really vulnerable. But I want that to carry into the page. A guy named Henry Nowen is my favorite author. He's a spiritual Christian writer and just a great dude. And I, I want to be like Henry. I want to be so honest on the page that you're like, man, I feel sorry for this O'Leary guy. As you turn the page and you read on and you right. read on and it connects you to your story. And so that, that's the way I try to speak. It's the way I try to write. And you're right. I do think the silver lining of being burned and losing fingers. <laughs> I'd never play the piano, man. You know, I'll never play the piano. In, in a nine-year-old's little head, you're thinking that. And, and, and I think that, that that is just so raw. That is that's just beautiful is what it is. So anyway, tell me what happened. What happens is the doorbell rings. A, uh, a piano teacher arrives in the kitchen. I look up at my mom in utter disbelief, and I say, Mom, what is she doing here? And my mother doesn't answer. You know, it's very, for your listeners and for me and you, it's very easy to have an opinion and yeah. to roar it back out. And to make sure the other side knows how wrong they are. It's very popular, too. <laughs> but there's something to be said about silent movement, just like humble action. My mother quietly, she had firm opinions and has firm opinions about everything, trust me. But rather than telling me what that lady was doing here, she showed me. She unhooked the brakes on my wheelchair. She rolled me away from the kitchen table, down a hallway, takes me into a living room, locks the brakes in front of a piano, and walks out. And now this little boy, Bo, is stuck in front of a piano now with an old lady mrs bartello with her arm around me god bless her words, yeah we're gonna do this together we're gonna do this together and and uh, on that day for 30 minutes we did this together i thought it was the last piano class of my life because it was brutal <laughs> and what amazed me bo is she came back the following week and the following week for five years oh no <laughs> Well, there is a great video of uh, you playing at the MGM uh, that is just so inspiring. Uh, and so, John, thank you for sharing your story. But before we go, I do want to ask you about today and what's going on with the pandemic. You know, we're, we mentioned earlier we're we're all looking for answers. And when we when we turn on the White House Coronavirus uh, Task Force and we're listening to this information, people should not watch too much news. There, there's that's definitely been proven. It it can change your mind, and you need to take a break. Go cut the grass or something. But where do you feel as an inspiring man uh, that has you know had a, had a, you know moments in his life that have inspired others? Where do you think we are as a country when you look at something like that? When you look at the task force and the information they they delve out. But I think we're always acting as if we've never been through anything like this. It's never been so bipartisan. It's never been so divided. It's never been worse than it is right now. So where I would encourage listeners to begin is, like you just whispered, to occasionally shut off that news and quit being expert on everything taking place behind that podium in D.C. Quit tracking every single outbreak in northern Italy and southern Germany and western China. We, we've become so focused on things we have utterly no control over. And it is affecting our mental health. It's affecting the way we show up. And it's affecting what we're going to do as we move forward into our lives. And so I, I think we want to be aware, but we will want to ultimately only be focused on the things that we have a little bit of control over and then move. Right. So rather than being aware of problems, man, be aware of them in order to solve them, in order to take the next best step. For instance, in St. Louis, there's a lot of challenges we face. And there's a lot of challenges we face as, as this pandemic continues to spread 100,000 people in the United States alone. It is a real big deal that it has claimed 100,000 lives. And so rather than just worrying about this or complaining about this, what we did is we gave all the profits from in awe 
to a group that I support, a group that I love called Big Brothers Big Sisters. Oh, wow. They're making a difference. They're not complaining about what's wrong. They're not talking about how brutal this pandemic is. They're making a difference in the lives of those who've been affected by it and these, these littles around our region. So I, I encourage your, your listeners to be aware of what's happening and then move and then take action and then be part of the solution, not the problem. Even if it's just one little thing, um, I, I just uh, heard something the other day. Just make your bed. Make your bed in the morning. You know, do do one thing right, and then the rest of your day will fall in place. And, and, and like you said, get, do something. Move. I'll just add on to, I think it was a maybe an admiral who gave, who gave this speech about make your bed. That That's true. That will help your mindset. But what will change your life is when you go to your neighbors and you make their bed. Now, I'm not telling you to quite literally walk into their apartment, walk <laughs> right. into their house, walk into their condo and just start making beds. That might that might not be what we want to do under this period of social distancing. Good advice. But our life, they begin to change when our focus shifts from what we can get out of something into what we can do for those around us. Yeah. You, you mentioned on the very front side, the greatest generation. What they did is the focus was not only on how they can endure, but how in doing so they can make a difference for those around them, their brothers and sisters, their community and this great nation. So I believe, Bo, that our best days remain in front of us because this is the next greatest generation. Are you still just doing your podcast, or, or what are you, what are you doing? Are you writing another book? We're doing the podcast. We're doing an awful lot of writing. We're doing a lot of interviews. And then from a business structure, where I used to go into large organizations and be live in Vegas and Orlando and right. around the world, now we have the honor of doing this from St. Louis. And so digitally and virtually, I have an opportunity to meet organizations and clients where they are, wherever that might be and to motivate them and inspire them and to provide a little bit of perspective on where we are, but also clear next steps to take uh, on their journey professionally and personally. So and we're still doing an awful lot of speaking. We just have the honor of doing it from my own backyard. I, yeah, and, and I, I'm loving the experience, too, as uh, my show is done for my home studio as well. John O'Leary yeah. Inspires com. No relation to uh, Mr. Wonderful? Just checking. <laughs> He is my he's my yin and I'm the yang, man. We are very different creatures. I think we both love business. We both love life. Okay. But uh he likes to see what he can get out of a deal and I like to see what I can put into one. Ooh. I love Shark Tank, but uh man, listen, he's all about success and what Jack Buck, some great Cam Wax legend, taught me is it's not what you can get out of situations, what you can invest into it. And in doing so, not only will the life of the one that you are speaking to and serving be impacted positively, but you become a Hall of Famer, too. 100%. So I, I just think whether you will have the opportunity of the microphone like Bo does or like Jack Buck does, or perhaps a bit of a smaller platform, we do have a chance to to be the next greatest generation. And it's it starts at home. It starts in the mirror. It starts by making your own bed, but then leave your home and do likewise for others. Love that. John O'Leary, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Find him at johnolearyinspires.com and get his book. I'm only three chapters in, In Awe, but there's two of them, On Fire and In Awe. John O'Leary, again, thank you very much, sir. Honored, Bo. Thank you, brother. You know, if you take any amount of time to think about the pandemic, the impact on our nation, on the economy, on the world, on the human race, of all places, I found wisdom in the dentist chair. And I'll explain that with our next guest, Dr. Dwayne Keller, on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. 
It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. If you have not downloaded the Radio.com app, I encourage you to do that. Download it to your phone or your device or uh, tablet, whatever, and you can take uh, crystal clear digital sound of KMOX anywhere you want to go. Now, my next guest, uh, I've been, uh, a cl- I'll say a client, but also I feel like a friend to one of the smartest guys I know. His name is Dr. Dwayne Keller, and for over 40 years, he has been instrumental in uh, treating patients with TMJ and periodontal disease. That's where I discovered him in 2013. So I've known the man for a bit, and I was just in his chair last week, and we talked about what's going on with the coronavirus and COVID-19. You said news is changing every day. You're up at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, seeing what the latest updates are, and that's why I invited you to be on KMOX. So welcome, Dr. Keller. How are you? I'm fine, Bo. Glad to be with you. Now we're past Memorial Day, and I was not at Lake of the Ozarks, so don't point a finger at me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I wouldn't see it for 14 days if you were. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, The thing that amazes me about you is you're, you're so smart because you understand the 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 microbes and things that enter into people's systems through their mouth or through their gums so this really is your lane to be in so and you understand it better than most anybody that i know where do you think we are well uh this isn't the first time we've been here though right um we were here with hepatitis 1983 we were here with aids now we're here with sars covid 2 2003 2007 there's a sars covid 1 you know, it was the end of the world each time. It's not. You know, as we as we learn more about this, we can overcome our fears, and we have to move ahead. And that's really what we're going to be able to do. I mean, the nice thing about if there, if there's a nice thing about the SARS-CoV-2 or SARS-CoV-19, it goes by both names. It's easy to kill. It's killed or it is annihilated by soap. If you wash your hands for like 20 minutes. It has an area on the virus that's killed by soap. It's also killed by hydrogen peroxide. And that's good. And that's why the American Dental Association has recommended that people rinse their mouth with hydrogen peroxide. But liquid hydrogen peroxide has what they call a burst effect, Bob. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it hits the virus. It kills the virus, but it loses its, its power in about one to two minutes. And the EPA, now this is EPA looking at disinfectants on surfaces, but they're applying it to the mouth. Right. Says you have to hold this hydrogen peroxide against the virus anywhere from three to ten minutes to kill it. Well, we use a a hydrogen peroxide gel called Periogel that releases 1.7% hydrogen peroxide for 17 minutes. Well, now you fulfill the ADA and and the EPA recommendations for managing this. So let's see how we can use this. One of the interesting things uh, published in the Journal of Virology. Now, this is about the SARS-CoV-1 bow. They haven't finished the research on SARS-CoV-2, but there are three more studies that just came out this morning that show that, yes, this is probably correct, that the this virus targets the lining of your salivary glands which are right inside your mouth. Well, we use things called periotrays that basically deliver this hydrogen peroxide gel right to the open end of the salivary glands, and it kills the virus. Okay, let me see if I can make this simple for you. Yeah, please. The cell, <laughs> the, the, the cell has a glove like Yadier Molina's catcher's mitt. Okay. 
and the virus has a ball that's going to fit in that glove. Well, if you fill that glove full of rocks, there's no way the virus can attach to it. And that's what hydrogen peroxide does. It blocks that glove so the ball can't fit in there anymore. So either you can kill the, the virus or you can block it from attaching to the human cells with hydrogen peroxide. So what I recommend that our patients, I, I know you, you and, and your wife wear perio trays. What I recommend our patients do, put the gel in the trays, put the trays in your mouth, put your mask on, go to the store. Right. It just gives you another layer of protection that I think people need to know about so that if you are talking to one of these people that was at Lake of the Ozarks and decide to have a 500 group pool party, which I'm sorry, it wasn't very smart. I, I saw the video. I saw the video. I think there's more concern well, about STDs you know. than the uh, the coronavirus at this point, but that's all another story. Amen. Amen. But I'm just saying, if, if, if one of those people you're talking to them, and if they might be positive, and they don't even have to know it yet, what you can do is you give yourself one more layer of protection. By the way, we're talking with Dr. Dwayne Keller. He's been a pioneer in TMJ and periodontal disease, and that's how I met him. Uh, if you're ta- if we're talking to people that are not your clients, they don't come to you, can you buy Periogel anywhere, or, or what can somebody that is not dealing with TMJ or periodontal disease, what can they do to, to get this concentrated Periogel? Sure. They can go to periogel.net and they can order it uh, right off the internet. Okay. And then they would, and, uh, since I have my custom trays that fit my teeth, what would they use as a tray? Well, I think if nothing else, they can put the gel in the mouth and give themselves uh, protection that way. The research we show that the trays that, that you and your wife are using, we know release the gel for 17 plus minutes at 1.7%, which is more than necessary to to kill the, the virus. The only bad side effect is it's going to whiten your teeth. Dang it. I hate when uh, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. You're actually you almost got to wear sunglasses around you. <laughs> right. No, it's, uh, it's a situation that uh, they could maybe go to a sporting goods store, though, okay. and they could get uh, a mouth guard. Until they get the custom-made ones, they, they could certainly use whatever they can find. Right. And over-the-counter at the, the drug stores, they have those sure. grinding guards sure. or whatever. You had mentioned something about the, uh, the, the coronavirus, COVID-19, would be around for a lot longer, even if a vaccine is created um and and speak to that as as far as how this thing is like re-morphing into different things okay i i'm not sure a vaccine's going to work real well now i'm not a virologist i don't make vaccines okay but the research that has come out we have one of our patients that was tested positive for the coronavirus got over it now has it the second time. So oh boy. my firsthand knowledge that this person is not immune. There is a report from the uh, from New York, 14 of the doctors and staff that were in the hospitals treating the coronavirus patients who came down with the coronavirus are reinfected a second time. So we don't know if you're going to be able to be immune to this because, as you said, this crazy thing morphs. Yeah. These these microbes do what they call a horizontal gene transfer. One microbe can borrow or accept genetic material from another microbe, and they don't 
have to be the same microbe. This this happens all the time in bacteria. Different bacteria swap information all the time. Mm-hmm. This is ongoing. I think because this this virus is so contagious and so widespread, two years, five years, we're still going to be dealing with it. Are we still dealing with other uh, coronaviruses from years ago? I mean, you mentioned SARS, mm-hmm. H1N1. Any of the, are those still around, and we just don't hear about them anymore? The SARS Corona one, it took them about two to three years to to get it to run its gambit, uh, and that's because the there, there's a, a transfer microorganism. One was the civet cat and the camel. Well, we don't have many of those in the United States, so thankfully we right. didn't get nailed. But that was the one that was like four to five times more lethal than the one we have now. It'll eventually, I think, run its course, but it's going to be years. Yeah, you know. It's really interesting. Um, there are ways you can you can control and manage this. The last time I looked, in, in Bo, this is a couple days old, so there may be a little change in the numbers. And we have X, Y, Z. I think around I don't know fourteen hundred people who've died from this. Yes. There's twenty three million people in Taiwan. At my last checking, seven had died. They were prepared. They have the testing. They have the facilities to basically isolate these people. And they have they have jets that go to Wuhan and all over China. I mean, they're the next door neighbor. Right. They planned. They knew what to do. And they if you go on the internet and just ask them how they did it, they'll they'll share with you. And it makes sense. They they are they have a plan to open their schools. They have a plan to go back to business. You know, we're not even talking to some of these people anymore. I want to reiterate that you mentioned, I think you said, and maybe misspoke at the beginning of the conversation, to wash your hand for 20 minutes. Uh, you meant 20 seconds, is that correct? 20 seconds. Okay, so 20 seconds, wear your mask. And if you uh, if you are so inclined to investigate this periogel thing, which my wife and I have been using it for a long time for the periodontal disease that I have, but it is helping kill this, if it were to enter my mouth, uh, it's helping to kill it. So if you want to take that extra step, I certainly encourage you to uh, contact uh, either Dr. Dwayne Keller, uh, or you can go to periogel.com. That's uh, P-E-R-I-O-G-E-L.com. It's actually periogel.net. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Who's got .com? I want to know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, Dr. Keller, uh, I hope we can revisit this conversation uh, with better news next time. But I do thank you very much for your time today. Bo, thank you. And and we will get through it. And we will also be better and healthier because we're going to adapt and we're going to be able to prevent and be able to live with this. Thank you very much for your expertise on this, sir. You're welcome, sir. Stay well. Is Zoom your favorite friend now? Has it been useful for getting together with business clients? Or maybe you've been using it for personal reasons, getting together with your family. Maybe you did it over Easter or Memorial Day. Well, there's a thing called Zoom Zombies, and we don't want you to be that. We're going to talk with Nancy Friedman. She's a specialist when it comes to uh, telephone etiquette. She's transformed her business and her outlook on how to prevent us all from being Zoom Zombies. We'll talk to her next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Okay, here's a great benefit uh, to anybody that's been doing Zoom meetings. My next guest is Nancy Friedman, a well-known and popular customer service keynote speaker. She's a Chicago girl, but she lives in St. Louis, and she has been dubbed the telephone doctor 
but a headline came across my computer screen that said, don't be a Zoom zombie. So uh, if you're listening to the radio, I want you to be able to find the video that Nancy and I are going to do because it's on my it's on my Facebook page as well. But I wanted to do this in real time because I've actually experienced dealing with Zoom zombies. So welcome to KMOX, Nancy and, Friedman. Thank you. You almost were a Zoom zombie. I'm well, going to rat on you. Okay. So uh, first of all, would it would it be lighting? Dark. There we go. Somebody loves you. No, 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 no. So if I back away, okay, I'm a bald guy. And for people listening, again, you're gonna have to see the video to to get the gist of it. I do have this light right here. Yes, I like that. You okay. Look and sexy. And then I have this light right here. Now I look a little creepy. Yeah, creepy. There is lighting uh, problems that go on with Zoom calls, and so you really have to have that. I wish it, I don't wish, but if the computer were facing the window that's behind me, I wouldn't need the light because the, you know, the human uh, outdoor lighting is probably the best for anybody. It is the best. It is the best. And the reason I wanted to talk to you is because I've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings too. Nancy Friedman, the telephone doctor, is now the Zoom doctor as well. And uh, and she called me out right away. I violated code number two, and I guess that was about lighting, right? Yes, because people sit there in the dark, and this is television. Let's face it, bro. This is it television. Is. And you have to have lighting. And you obviously have a makeup and hair crew, which I don't have or don't have a need for. You don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's start at, at, at number one. For those people, again, that are doing Zoom meetings, whether it's for school or for, you know, just parties, you know, online just seeing family, or if it's business, so much business right. is being done online, what's the number one rule you don't want to violate? Oh, that's hard to say. The number one rule that we put down was that fake, the fake background. Um, it's fun, and I say do it with your friends. But you're in a business meeting, and, and people know you're not in San Francisco. They know you're not in Australia. They know you're not you know, in a Cucamonga, wherever it is. Right. So I, I believe that the comfort of your own home and the studio, and uh, I had one Zoom meeting where they kept changing, the, they, I was you know, changing the, uh, the background. Right. Very distracting. I would save that for the family, for the fun ones, for the, you know, happy hours that, you're, that are very popular now. Yeah. But if you're talking about a Zoom business meeting, uh, and I'm not saying be strict because you got to have fun at a business meeting anyway, uh, unless ahead of time, and here's something I didn't think of, if, if I were holding a Zoom meeting for seven people, 12 people, whatever, I would say, pick a background and we want to guess where it is. Okay. So make it a game. Fun with, yeah, you can have fun with it. Uh, but it, it's the, what the annoyance was to keep changing the background. First, I'm in New York, then I'm in California. <laughs> I don't know why. No. Well, you know, I, I, I had an experience. Uh, it was an interview that I was doing. The, it was a very attractive lady. She was... And she was just staring at her screen like a zombie, just like just like you called it, Zoom zombie. Just, and I'm thinking to myself, even in radio, uh, we are taught to smile because a smile right. can it can project through just the telephone or or, or uh, over the microphone of a radio. So I've been I've been taught to do that, but so many people just stare at their screen like they're playing a video game, right. and, and and it's very tough. So isn't it amazing though how you've gone from the telephone doctor? to now guiding people for this. And, and I think it's it's very important that people understand what you're doing. Thanks, Bo. I appreciate it. Um, I don't believe that, well, Zoom came on. It's been there for years. We've all used it, but very sparingly uh, and not very popular until this hit. And then all of a sudden, everybody's Zoom. I think one of the key components is 
because it's so new, to me, it's like driving a car. You don't get in the car and just drive. Have somebody teach you how to use Zoom. Yeah. Get yeah. a 12-year-old. <laughs> get a 12-year-old. <laughs> yeah, don't they know everything? Yeah, um, exactly. And just in recent past, just because of everybody, you know, all the TV network anchors, they're doing their 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 TV bits. And there's been a guy busted with uh, not wearing pants. Uh, there was a, there was another one where his dog was going crazy. There was another one where a naked woman was crawling by the back of it. I'm like, oh my gosh, control the environment. Now your office is your office. It's, it doesn't have to be any place special. It just, this is you just make sure the beer cans are put away and you know, anything you don't want seen. Right. Yeah, even the kitchen, everybody's got a kitchen. We all know what a kitchen looks like in a microwave. Who was it? I think Dana Perino uh, did one in her kitchen. And I thought, yeah. Oh, she's got the same microwave I do. <laughs> make us cousins. <laughs> it, it does make me feel like a creeper because I've seen a lot of uh, music uh, artists doing their shows from their own environment, their own home, their own basement. And I'm looking in the background. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we want to see details. <laughs> Nancy's got a cork board on the back there. She's got her file cabinet. You know, it's why do we do this? Here's another thing that I want to ask about because I'm waiting for computer screens to actually get the camera right in the center of your screen. Instead of this? Instead of that, instead of people looking up, because a lot of people don't look up, even whether it's on your phone or whether it's on your computer. What do you do with that? Well, you know, you have a background. I have a theater background, and we've owned a couple radio stations. So I, I, I know a little bit more what to do than maybe the normal person. Right. Most people look at their screens. The best is to look up at your camera. And I, you know, it's funny that you say that. I'm thinking, where else could I put this camera? What else have you transferred from the on hold or the uh, the phone doctor to Zoom that is, you know, crucial for what we're doing here today as we're talking to people about those that are doing Zoom? This is basically a, 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 a free lesson to help yeah. you out. We're just wanting to help you out. But the, the big one that bothers most people that I hear is when people, and I didn't bring it, but when people eat on the, you know, I'm going to just have to, <laughs> I got to, okay, you don't mind, I'm just, I, I forgot lunch, and so I'm going to have lunch now, um, and I hear all that. I don't realize, somebody said they were just on with somebody who, and I don't have anything to do it with, but they, they had a, uh, a, a cereal bowl, and they were eating right on screen. So, I mean, I guess everybody's got a, it's like everybody has a, a, a horror, horror story on the telephone. We hear them on Zoom now. You know what? You just made me realize that people that are eating their cereal on their Zoom calls are the ones that eat their cereal while they're driving in rush hour traffic on their way to work. <laughs> probably, probably, you know. The dog's barking and the kid's screaming. Uh, and again, I'm talking business meetings, family, sure. parties, happy hours, anything goes. I don't care. I'm not... I'm not criticizing or making notes but uh when you know you have a zoom meeting and you get invited to a zoom meeting thursday at four o'clock prepare for it yeah just a I, little bit just a few thoughts yeah just you know the dog the kids uh, you know somebody should be helping you there during a zoom meeting and oh nancy i live alone i have nobody then get the kid to go to sleep take a nap bribe them i don't care watch right. television Give them an iPad. They'll be fine for 20 minutes or whatever. It or don't schedule like, the Zoom. It sounds like it's in-your-face you know, advice, but it's true. We all need this bluntly two-by-four marketing upside the head. Um, I, we have cats, uh, and I'm not a big fan of cats, but I, I'm, I'm less of a fan of mice, so that's why we have cats. <laughs> so I've been recording and doing things, and all of a sudden it'd be like, ah, and that's the nails into my leg. It's like, ah, get away from me, sketch. Anyway, um, so what's next on your list for our listeners and our viewers? This bothers me a lot, and you and I are aware of it because 
of our backgrounds. But even the, the pro, not even the pros, but the people that the pros interview on, I'll say Fox News because that's what I was watching. Sure. Every sentence started with, so let me say, so, so then, so then, and it, that drives us crazy, my husband and I. Uh, it's it, self-editing is what it's called, right? I, I, I'm not sure what it's called. I never had a name for it. It's like I can't start a sentence without the word so. When somebody makes a statement to you, and let's say you're giving advice about lighting, you got to make sure you have the right lighting, right? They they, they are like trying to convince you with the word light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is that? Right? Yeah. Right, uh, right, yeah. I have a one funny story, if you allow me. I, I had a uh, salesman, I still have her, and uh, <laughs> every sentence we monitored the calls and Every sentence she started with to answer a question from a client was, "Well, actually, we can do. That. Well, actually, we can do that." So, actually, was her word. So I called her in and I said, "I, I don't want to criticize you, but are you aware that you overuse a certain word, and that word is actually?" And she says to me, "Well, actually, I wasn't aware." <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has one word that we overuse. We all do it. We don't recognize it. But if you ask your partner or somebody and said, hey, what word do I overuse? They're going to say, you use uh, well a lot, or you use so a lot, or you use already then. Uh, I read an article a long time ago, and it was about the term uh and um, okay? I used to actually make it a radio game. Tell me your 10 favorite songs without saying the word uh or um. I believe that the article that I read talked about, and I'm no psychologist, but I believe what it's doing is your brain is your mouth is waiting for your brain to catch up. So you're, you're spanning a little bit of time going, uh, or so there I was. I just was the commencement speaker for my granddaughter's high school graduation, which I was so proud of. I kept saying, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and now, now I got to work on it. It was, it was not a bad yeah. It was a confirmation yeah. But, and probably nobody else noticed it because I would have heard about it from my family. <laughs> so that's good. So, so. So be careful. <laughs> you know, once, <laughs> once in a while is okay, but every every word. But now you're great, Bo, and I I so appreciate KMOX is near and dear to our heart. The subjects of things that you take care of, just for a final plug for your company. Yes, the online training serviceskills.com, and that's really what I should have put in there. Serviceskills with an S dot com is a uh, popular 15 series platform on customer service management, uh, internal, external. 15 fabulous series, uh, 150 modules, uh, very popular worldwide, over 30,000 clients. Get a free demo, complimentary demo. So if they're listening and they want a demo, serviceskills.com. So important with everybody moving to uh, remote work. So, Nancy, thank you for your time. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk again soon, okay? I hope so, Stay well. And you do the same, Nancy. Coming up next, have you heard the rumor that the St. Louis Battle Hawks and the XFL could reemerge? It was one of the first things that uh, went under as the coronavirus started to spread around the globe. And we are going to talk to Justin Poole. He's a writer for the Riverfront Times next about the future of the Battle Hawks on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. And if you haven't heard the good news of a possibility that our beloved Battle Hawks could return, what? There was an article in Riverfront Times written by Justin Poole, who must be a mega Battle Hawks fan. I don't know for sure, but that's why we had to track the boy down and uh, get him on the phone. So welcome to KMOX, Justin. How are you, man? Doing great, man. Uh, happy to be here. Were you were you a diehard Battle Hawks fan, or are you just covering a story? Uh, from the moment that I heard the rumor they might come back, I started getting excited again. You know, I'm a 
football fan first, but obviously was disillusioned with the NFL. And once I heard there was a chance there'd be a new league, I got real excited. New Vince would kind of want to stick it to the NFL a little bit, so I figured we'd probably get a team. And then as soon as we did, I was all in. And did you do the tailgating? Did you go to all the home games, all that good stuff? Because I, I, I only watched it on TV, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, just the way they do their games, it's more... It's more edited. It's more action. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. The energy was just 100 times better. The flow of play was better. Yeah. A way more exciting product to see in real life. And, uh, yeah, I did go to the first game. I had to work for one of the other ones. But I actually did get to cover the first game for the Riverfront Times below. (laughs) How did you find out that there's a possibility that the XFL and, ultimately, the St. Louis Battlehawks could re-emerge amongst this pandemic we're dealing with? Uh, Well, originally it was just getting kicked around on Twitter a bit that uh, the fact that Vince had filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy more often meant that – things are just going to be reorganized and not necessarily go away entirely. Right. And then once that was out, people started, uh, you know, putting two and two together. And then it got out that the XFL president had been calling certain stadiums to ask if they'd be interested in renewing their lease agreements. And once that was out, then it was pretty much, you know, everybody piled on to the, to the rumor. And really, XFL, uh, the whole league was one of the first, like, you know, major shutdowns completely. I was just at, back in February, just at the uh, headquarters for the Battle Hawks in Earth City. And cool facility out there. Really, really exciting because at that time, you know, it was still during the season. So people were excited about it. And, and here we go to the pandemic and everything shuts down. I was like, Oh, my heart just broke. Cause we just, we got football back in St. Louis and you know, it's, it's been needed so bad because we have been the greatest sports city in the world and to see that go away so quickly. But tell me the inner works and workings of why it happened the way that, that did, uh, the chapter 11 bankruptcy. Uh, cause I thought the way you said it in your article was fantastic. And I just love for the listeners to hear what you said. Well, basically, it's uh, a lot we're saying that's just a financial ploy. And, uh, you know, once he got everything sold at a rock-bottom price, he'd be able to buy everything back. <laughs> and, you know, pennies on the dollar, basically, is what they're reporting. And I think that uh, once they, like, everything got out, though, so, apparently he's no longer involved in trying to buy it. And it's because that information was leaked that he was trying to do that. Right. So apparently now one uh, large, you know, possible donor or not donor buyer is out of the picture. But according to the company, there is a lot more people interested. So hopefully we get something done. That's great, man. I, I I think it's exciting for St. Louis. I mean, it's it's it seems so weird that we don't have any baseball. We don't have any hockey. It's just it's so weird. Well, it's it's weird in the world, of course, because of the pandemic. But certainly to see, you know, something come on so strong like the Battle Hawks and the fan base just built so quickly and the the tailgating uh events were epic and then it just went away, just gone. Even I think the first professional sport that came back with no audience was MMA or NASCAR. One of the two, I don't know which one was first, but uh, I talked to Michael Chandler. He's an MMA fighter, and it was just before they did the opening of uh, their first fight that was going to be televised. It was a pay-per-view event a few weeks ago. You know, I, I watched it, but it just there was no sizzle because there's no crowd to cheer him on. And I even asked him, I said... As an athlete, don't you feed off of the crowd? And he said, absolutely. So I can't imagine 
you know, many sports being exciting to watch just on TV with no crowd in the audience uh, because you felt the you felt the energy like I did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely been strange. I've tried to watch some of the wrestling programs on TV that have been performing with no crowds, and it pretty much just kills the product. I know there's a soccer league that's pumping in fake stadium noise, and I watched a little bit of that, and it <laughs> certainly seemed to help. Uh, sitcoms have been doing that for years, right? The laughter? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you have any inside uh, scoop on the, the stadiums themselves? Do you know somebody at the Dome that, that has shed any light on, on the legitimacy of this deal? Well, it was uh, somebody from the group that oversees uh, all the booking at the Dome that originally released, but they had been contacted about renewing the lease. Yeah. But uh, apparently there is a July 13th uh, deadline. By July 13th, we'll know who's making the first major bid, and then that sets the price for everybody else. And then it says the bid deadline for the XFL and all of its properties will be July 30th. Wow. So, so by July 30th, we should know. Yeah, it's coming quick. It's coming quick. So you said you were hungry for football uh, when the XFL and the Battle Hawks, you know, announced they were going to be in St. Louis, you know, as a, as a real thing. Um, were you, have you always just been a football fan, or were you a Rams fan, or did you cheer for who, – who were you a fan of? Um, as a younger child, I was definitely into the Cowboys. That was kind of, you know, my – Entry into football was Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmitt Smith. But then once the Rams came here, I was a diehard Rams fan. Uh, the Rams actually won the Super Bowl on my 15th birthday. So that was a great birthday. <laughs> that was planned. We were all celebrating you, man. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, for the first six or seven years they're here, I didn't miss a single game, no matter how many times we you know, lost 53 to 10. To <laughs> you are diehard. single one of them. <laughs> right. And then... Uh, yeah, once they left, I mean, I literally felt like I was stabbed in the back, broke my heart, and I pretty much refused to have anything to do with the NFL ever since. Okay, that, this is good information. We're talking to Justin Poole. Uh, he writes for the Riverfront Times. And, Justin, at any moment after the Rams left and you had the knife in your back, did you ever entertain the idea of being a fan of the true football soccer I can't say that I do. Uh, my nieces are into it, and I support them when they do it, but uh, that's just about as exciting to me as the World Cup is, so just not really my thing. I'm just messing with you because I, 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 <laughs> I think a lot of people you know, try to think like, I mean, because globally, soccer is the thing, right? And, and, oh, and, yeah. and Americans, we are trying to do it with all the kids, like your niece, all your kids that have, uh, have played soccer is great exercise. It's team sport. It's all wonderful things. It's still not like football. It's exciting stuff, but I'm just not, I don't know. It, for me, it's just not there. I, maybe I'm on an island. Maybe it's just you and me on an island. I don't know. There's a lot of people that love the game, though. I mean, I'll certainly support the team when we get our MLS team, and, you know, I'm sure it'll be exciting in person, or I hope anyway. Okay. All right. Justin Poole from the Riverfront Times. Now I got your cell phone number. I'm going to be calling you in July. Maybe we can talk about some uh, better news or some even, uh, you know, some great news about the Battle Hawks and the XFL firing back up because we definitely need these uh, these events, don't you think? Sounds good to me. Definitely. And I also have an article coming out tomorrow about the Cardinals and the Major League Baseball proposal. And then should be next week talking about the Blues and previewing the playoffs for them. Okay, so do you want? Can you give us a, a tease of what's in that article uh, that people can read over the weekend? Well, there's definitely a lot about uh, the the owners suggested a revenue sharing uh, situation that the players are just furious about, and Jack Flaherty, the Cardinals, is one of them who's 
pretty much all over his Twitter now, just sticking it to the owners, and it's making for very entertaining stuff. Wow. Okay. Well, keep your eye on that, and we will uh, chat soon. Okay, Justin? Sounds good. Well, coming up next, we're going to revisit a buddy of mine, B.J. Lang. He's out in California, but he works with the Air Force Wounded Warrior Facebook page and how improvisational theater and improvisational lessons can help with PTSD. We'll talk to B.J. next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. Great to have you uh, listening to the program. And again, I want to remind you to download the Radio.com app to your device, your tablet, your phone. You can take KMOX with you in crystal clear digital sound anywhere you go. You can even tell Alexa, hey, play KMOX. And a bunch of Alexas just fired up right now. Um, so I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy on from California, but he's from St. Louis. B.J. Lang is his name. He is. Uh, he does many things. He's uh, Air Force guy, and me being an Air Force brat, I, I kind of feel there's a kinship there. But uh, we talked about his experience with Second City. Everybody knows Second City improvisational uh, clubs. Well, he is part of that group. But I wanted to zero in and talk about the Air Force Wounded Warrior project that he is working with. And uh, he just got done with a huge project uh, that just, it's almost like two hours long. You can find it on Facebook. And it is really a PTSD victim uh, uh, centric, wouldn't you say, BJ? That's right, Bo. Hey, uh, great to talk to you again, Bo. So that's exactly right. Uh, I'm in the Air Force's Wounded Warrior Program uh, in, in initials. We call that AFW2. So I got enrolled in the program when I got sick. In my case, I got diagnosed with cancer back in 2016 when I was on active orders from the Air Force Reserve. Okay. So being, being someone who was uh, critically wounded, ill, or injured in the line of duty got me enrolled in this congressionally mandated and funded program. And in the program, which is a lot of adaptive sports, and, and people are trying to go into uh, the Department of Defense Warrior Games, if they're trying to maybe go to the U.S. Paralympics or uh, the Invictus Games, uh, those are all avenues that people could go using adaptive sports as a healing tool. Well, another program that we have is the Wellness Resiliency Program, and that's where I came in. So, of course, at this point, I was just a wounded warrior. I was trying to navigate what I was going to do, and then my cancer came back. So the, at the time, we had a sports psychologist who said, BJ, in your civilian world, you teach at the Second City. You're an actor and a comedian. I said, yes, sir. He said, have you thought about teaching it for the resiliency standpoint? I said, absolutely, because wow. I'm a member of, of the Applied Improv Network. So it kind of married you know, my civilian love and then my, my military stuff together to be able to heal. So now what I do, I teach applied improvisation, and that's taking the tools of improv comedy, as we would all know from, like, Whose Line Is It Anyway, but a little bit of psychodrama, laughter, therapy in there, and help build on some of the life skills that will help wounded, ill, and injured service members and their caregivers, by the way, to be able to, um, you know, connect over improv. So I've, I've been doing, on the Air Force Wounded Warrior Facebook page, we've been doing a lot of live shows where I've been applying this with different wounded warriors and whatnot. So you can go and check out those shows. But last week, uh, the idea came to me. I said, you know what? Let's maybe not do like a show per se, but let's connect over the, the, the oldest art form that we all know of. Bo, you yourself, you are a practitioner of this, and that is storytelling. Yeah. Right? Before you go any further, I want to ask, how, how, what is your cancer diagnosis at this point? Are you in remission? Are you tra getting treatment or what? Great question. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a two-time testicular cancer survivor. 
Uh, and I got diagnosed again when I was on active duty. So it's safe to say that I'm half as nuts as I used to be. Uh, <laughs> that, that is the case. Um, I'm, I'm currently uh, three years in remission from relapse. So oh. I have to go two more years. I'm in, I'm in remission, you know, but I'm, I'm hopeful. And I use those skills of, like I was saying, of improv to kind of keep that positivity, right? We say yes and in improv, which means to accept and move forward. So so that's it. And you can't say no in improv is what I, that's like the first rule of it, of uh, improv, right? You can't say no to any anything that's thrown at you. So tell me about this huge that's, project you did this past week. It, it was almost like two yeah. hours long on the Air Force Wounded Warrior Facebook page. It got a little long-winded, but listen, when people want to tell their story, sometimes they really get into it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, just like you mentioned, uh, you know, being able to uh, connect over, uh, you know, storytelling is so important. So I said, listen, I'm a big fan of the moth and any kind of live storytelling. I mean, who doesn't love just hanging out with their buddies and telling stories, right? And like it's the ancient pastime uh, on the planet. It is. So, yeah. And that's how, it, it's how we learn. It's how we connect. It's how we grow. It's how uh, we build community through storytelling. So I said, hey, instead of me doing an improv show, would it be okay if I hosted a storytelling event. And I said, what I'll do is I'll curate it. I'll give a theme. So everyone had to do a theme. And the theme in this case was unexpected treasure. So I pulled different wounded warriors uh, and and a couple of uh, caregivers who were enrolled in the Air Force's Wounded Warrior Program. And I didn't want to hear their story, but I just said it has to relate within five to seven minutes to our theme, which is unexpected treasure, in the hopes of folks trying to find silver linings so that people that might watch it would go, hey, I relate to that story or that happened to me. Some of the stories we laughed, some of them we cried. You know, there's a lot of heartache in there, too, but there's certainly a lot of levity and connection. And and it was just it was so great. It just it felt like a bunch of friends just hanging out and telling stories. Well, well, before before we we uh, we started uh, with this conversation, you had said you've got to watch the last five minutes. Tell me quickly about that story before we run out of time and why people should go to it. A lot of people told stories both uh, from the military standpoint and how they got hurt and how they found silver lining in that. But some people just told stories from their life. And uh, Nicole Malakowski, who's a retired colonel, she she goes by Fifi. She was the first female um, Thunderbird pilot. She was the first female fighter pilot to fly with any demonstration uh, team for any military branch. So she's a fellow wounded warrior. She unfortunately got diagnosed with Lyme disease, and now she's an advocate for that. But I asked her to come on and tell a story. And I didn't know what her story was going to be, but she told the story about how she and her husband uh, found out that she was going to have an addition to the family. Now, I need to set this up, and I don't want to give away the whole farm. Yeah, don't give it away. Don't give it away. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to give away the farm. But, you know, she was older in, in you know, because she was focusing on her military career and as a fighter pilot. Uh, so there was some concerns in her age. But not only did she have one baby. But there was another surprise there. So you'll have to go check out the Air Force Wounded Warrior Facebook Live uh, video archive. And we just did it uh, today. So you look back here probably in a few days and, and you'll see it. It's the Air Force Wounded Warrior program on Facebook. Anybody can go and take a look at the information and, and the uh, videos and stuff that they've got up for, uh, you know, for your viewing. But if somebody wanted to be involved uh, because they are, you know, uh, you know, a candidate, where would they go for that? Sure. So uh, let's say, hey, Scott Air Force Base, if you know an airman who is uh, critically wounded, ill or injured, whether they're on the morning casualty report list or you just know someone who's having a hard time that you believe they might be eligible for the program, nothing stops you from self-referring or referring an airman. And you can go to woundedwarrior.af 
mill for that. And I also want to mention to everyone in St. Louis that on Saturday night, I'm doing a comedy sports show uh, for, for St. Louis. So check out CSZStLouis.com. And that's family-friendly, all-ages, competitive, short-form improv comedy. It's, it's sports-related. You know we're all hungry for sports, so we'll take it. it you know what? That's, <laughs> that's why we're doing it, Bo. We're trying to bring back a little bit of the, the good old America right there with some family-friendly improv comedy. Awesome, man. BJ, thank you so much for your time. We will talk soon, my friend. Sounds good, Bo. Thanks for having me. Bye, St. Louis. All right. If you want to make sure you can find BJ on these different platforms, the Facebook page you can find him at is Air Force Wounded Warrior. Then you can also find CSZStLouis.com for the sports show he just mentioned. And I wanted to mention that he's got a birthday roast. I love roast. Well, BJ Lang's 40th birthday roast is on YouTube. Look for BJ Lang on YouTube, and it'll take you right to that video. You can crack up. It's about an hour and 20 minutes, and it's uh, all kinds of comedians busting on him. All right, we're going to check in with my buddy Billy, who's been trying to convince me to get a smoker for my own personal use to smoke meats, I prefer to leave it to the professionals. But he's he's working on me. He's working on me, and I've been doing my research. Plus, there's something strange that I found on the Internet, and you may have found in your pocket. Could be either unbelievable timing or a conspiracy theory. Plus, I want to share with you an experience that my wife and I had when we were looking for another program to consume our time in our house arrest that we're experiencing during the pandemic. It's all coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and last week on the show, uh, Memorial Day weekend, I spoke with my buddy down in uh, Deerfield Beach, Florida, Billy Combs Jr., otherwise known as Wyoming Slim. You know, Johnny Rabbit is on KMOX, and he gave you that nickname so long ago. Yeah, he did. I wear it as a badge of honor. <laughs> Coming from him. We had, we had you on to to talk about you trying to convince me to buy a smoker and yes. i did some homework i'll be honest with you i did some homework but i didn't pull the trigger yet uh but then right. we had a conversation on memorial day when you were smoking what was it a pork butt something it was a it was a pork butt yep i, I smoked that thing for nine hours rested it for an hour and a half it was amazing we did the video you know facetime call and you were yeah. showing me that that smoker is also your grill which yep. piqued my interest because I'm a griller. Yes. I'm not a smoker. Yes. It was amazing. Yeah. It, it was absolutely amazing. There's none of it left. Let's put it that way. And that <laughs> was devoured between five people, a $15 big pork butt. They're probably seven, eight pounds. Oh, my goodness. Okay. It was amazing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, now we're, we're doing we're doing chickens this weekend, like the, the beer can chicken. I'm going to try them on the smoker. I've never done a chicken on the smoker yet, so we're going to... So you'll do the beer can technique, but using the smoker? Correct. Because it stands yep. it up on, on its butt, right? So right. It's smoke right. can get all around it. Okay, well, I haven't pulled the trigger, but when you showed me that it was also the grill, and I just bought a grill last year, so I don't really need a new grill, but I know you pros have like five or six grills on your property, and you know, you're... <laughs> You're all, you always got something going. Okay, so I got to explain. Billy is a guy that I've known for over 35 years, and, you know, he put some crazy stuff on Facebook, but finally I found something that was really weird, and I sent it to you this week, and this is about yeah. the, uh, the the new quarters. There is a quarter now. Okay, the coronavirus, they say, started in uh, the wet market from a bat. Somebody ate a bat, caught this disease, and then, you know, ground zero, it started from there, and now it's all over the globe. 
But it's true. It's part of the United States Mint's America the Beautiful Quarters program, which honors national parks and other national sites across the United States, Um, not unlike the 50-state quarters program. And I've seen the quarter. I saw somebody had taken a picture of the quarter with a bat on it. Now, isn't that just weird timing that there's a bat on one of the new quarters that's going to be coming out? That is extremely weird timing. And I put some thought into this thing, and I know, I remember way back when, that they were having a big contest open to the public. You can submit drawings for the quarter. So, I mean, I think the bat was drawn years ago, but somebody decided to put it on 2020's quarter, and uh, that just that, that raises some question marks. Well, and there was a tweet that came out from the United States Men. It says, a new year means new quarters, that 2020 will be the 11th year of the America the Beautiful Quarters program, with the with 2021 being the final year. Um, and there looks like uh, there's a tree on one of them. There's a butterfly on another one. But there's yeah. the bat. And and it's there's like, what is the timing? Is this a conspiracy theory that somebody had planned this a long time ago? Or is it just a weird coincidence? I, I think it's a coincidence. I do. By the way, you saw the footage of the Lake of the Ozarks of yeah. all the people in the pools spread, right. spreading the coronavirus. Yeah. Well, we don't know for sure if that did that, but it didn't look safe for sure. Did you see what was going on? There was a rocket that went up. With, it was supposed to take a couple of people up to the space station. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't following real close. I know we were, it was called the Dragon something or other. You're right? four miles from that thing. How come you're not, how come you're no, not I'm on not. There? I'm way down in south. I'm not anywhere near that thing. But anyway, did you see the bridge? They closed the bridge down that gets over to the to the space coast. That thing was packed with. Uh, there had to be a hundred thousand people on that bridge. That many? It was crazy. It it was like a mile and a half of solid people. But they weren't in bathing suits with beers in their hand. That's the problem. No, <laughs> <laughs> no Lake yeah, of the Ozarks. Was, uh... they, they got national attention on that thing, and I'm. Yeah, I, I'm not, you know, you do you, I'll do me. That, that's not a big deal. If that's what you want to do, really, all I've heard is Lake of the Ozarks has been like that for a couple of weeks. But Memorial Day weekend, it's like, you know, you take a bottle of beer and just shake it up. That's what that's right. what Memorial Day was for everybody that's been locked down. You know, just pull that right. top off yeah. and psh. But I'm with everybody. I'm so ready for this thing to be over with so I can be, act normal and be normal and, you know, not be afraid of everybody. I'm so done with that. Right, so when you're at the store and you hear somebody sneeze, is, are you the guy running away? I'm not. I am not because I have allergies and I sneeze and sniffle and clear my throat and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's springtime. You expect that stuff. But right. I'm not running for my life anymore, no. Okay. Well, I, I've got to tell you what we did. So my wife and I are in the kitchen. We're talking, and we're like, eh, what's on TV tonight? Well, we don't know. We, you know, we try to find shows and stuff. She goes, you know, I wish that old sitcoms, would, that they would put those back out there. And I was like, yeah, but, honey, Netflix has, like, a lot of things like that. And, you know, they've got all the episodes of Seinfeld. I mean, they paid Jerry Seinfeld millions of dollars so they can oh, yeah. have the rights to him. But uh, so that was one conversation. Ten minutes later, we're in the living room in the theater room. And I turn on Netflix, and I'm looking at the ad uh, for the logo for Cheers, the TV show Cheers. Right. That show started in 1982. I knew of the show, but I didn't watch it, like, regularly. Right, yeah, I'm the same way. Dude, to watch it from from the beginning, the character building, the jokes, and the the subject matter, it was awesome. And we're only, like, uh, you know, episode eight of the entire thing. So my recommendation is to go find an old Sanford and Sons or maybe Cheers and enjoy it as it was broadcast back in that day. It went for 11 seasons. I have one that's 
I'm on the same page as you, but mine's a little newer than yours. I like that 70s show. I've watched that for the second time all the way through. What an amazing, I mean, just laugh out loud stuff in there you forgot all about, you know? Uh, you know, again, there's there's a thing. I mean, I, I saw episodes periodically here and there, but I like to see them in order because a lot of those storylines do connect. Like, you know, Seinfeld or Friends, they play the best of. A lot of times, right. the, you know, the best episodes or the, the ones that people really, you know, gave them the great ratings on. No, play them, even if you're broadcasting them on cable network TV, play them in order because otherwise they're just out of sync and it doesn't make any sense. I was into the newsroom that Aaron Sorkin, he's the one that created the West Wing. Jeff Daniels is in it. I mean, just a bunch of uh, big name stars in this thing. And it ran for like three seasons. It was just phenomenal. Really? Just check it out. It's, that is all, that's on... Uh, Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on. It's on there. So yeah, check that out. I, I was never a best in show kind of comedy right. fan. Um, yeah. And I and The Office had such a huge cult following. Never got into it. I never saw one episode of that. Not one. Never saw a whole lot of that. Or Community is another one. Yeah. It's almost like ad lib kind of filler stuff. I don't know. It just that's not my that's not my my flavor. And for those that it's kind of like British comedy, not into it. Right. I mean, yeah. Some of it you can't even understand it. I can't even understand the English. That's the proper English. <laughs> Good share. <share-up. laughs> well, I know you're talking about my show. Hey, I did want to tell you HBO Max launched this week with favorite TV shows like Big Bang Theory, Friends, and The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So if you haven't seen those old shows, binge them. We still got time on our hands to do whatever we want. That's going to do it for me. My name is Bo Matthews. I hope you have a great week, and I will talk to you next week on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Have a great night, Billy. You too, buddy. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.